All right, thank you, Dale. Yeah, there just seems to be so much going on that it's almost like you don't have time to process the last two weeks. It's just one thing after another. And so I think this series is timely so that it can help kind of center us, center us back to what we need to be looking upon, which is Christ. And so before we jump in, I have another quick announcement. We had uh, another birth this week, and Andrew and Jenna um, had a baby, and so Andrew's our administrator. So congratulations, guys. I don't know where you are, but I saw you earlier. And so lots of young babies and kids, and we are so grateful. And so if you are here or you're watching online, welcome. And my name is Steve, and I'm the lead pastor here. We've started this series, and now we're kind of halfway through it, called Grow. And we've been talking about how do we grow with Christ? How do we become more like him? How do we love God more and others? And so as we've been walking through, my prayer is that you can just take one or two things each week. That you can take it and contemplate it and practice it. And see what God does as you seek to grow. Well, this morning, we want to talk about what keeps us from growing. What are the things that kind of get in the way from our spiritual growth? A couple of years ago, I lost my Ray-Ban sunglasses. And to be honest, I've lost three pairs. And if you know what Ray-Ban sunglasses are, they are expensive. And so one of the pairs that I lost, they, they were stolen right off the beach, and I was pretty ticked. And they've been stolen out of my car, and I think maybe I've misplaced a few. It's probably my fault. And a trusted friend sent me this link where I could get five pairs of sunglasses for the price of one. And so I sent a, you know, a message back, are you sure that this is genuine? Oh, yeah, totally. I, I did it, and I got my five pair. I'm like, oh, that's really a great deal. And so, of course, I bought the sunglasses. Well, the sunglasses arrived. I'm like, oh, good, this is legit. And as soon as I opened them up, I knew in that moment that they were counterfeit. You know, I, I put them on, and I noticed that the lenses were distorted. You know, they felt flimsy. They felt fake. But just like the sunglasses, or even the things in our life and the people in our life that we worship can be counterfeit. They can be false. The Bible talks a lot about these false gods as idols. These are things that we worship in place of God. These are the things that keep us from growing and becoming more like Christ. And these idols can include things like money, power, beauty. You know, just being comfortable, being safe. You know, or, or some of the things that we acquire that we prize so highly that we put these things above God. You know, we get pulled in. We adore these things. We worship these things. And at times, I want to show you that we worship creation over the creator God. 
In 2005, an author named David Wallace gave this commencement at Kenyon College. And actually, he is not a Christian, but he is very insightful. And this is what he had to say. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough and never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age starts showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, and you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will never ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, he says, Being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. This is what he's saying, and this is what the Bible is saying. What you worship will determine what is growing in your life. What you ultimately worship will be the thing that you give your attention to, will be the thing that becomes prominent, will be the thing that grows, and it actually might be sin. And actually, it is sin if it is anything other than God. So this morning, I want to talk about what is the thing that keeps us from really engaging Christ, from really walking with him on a daily basis? Maybe who is the person that keeps us from engaging God on a daily basis? What is the things or the who that we put above God? And the Bible calls them idols. So let's start with that. What is an idol? Well, again, Acts 17. Let's look again at it. This is what Paul says. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Now, here's Paul. He enters into this grand city, and he sees all these statues and pieces of art on his right, on his left. And everyone kind of walks in, and they go, wow, it's beautiful. You know, personally, I've walked the streets of Rome, and I've seen some of the amazing pieces of art in the architecture, and I was like, wow. This is unbelievable. I was kind of in awe. And Athens is famous for how culturally sophisticated it was. You know, great intellects came from there, like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. And Athens is where democracy started. It is known as the great city. But when Paul walked in... He wasn't filled with awe and grandeur. In fact, it was the opposite. He said he was grieved by what he saw. Some historians say there were over 30,000 public statues in that city. But why was he grieved? We'll talk about that in a second. But what were these idols? What did they represent for the city? What did they mean? 
Well, Tim Keller says this, an idol is anything more important to you than God. It's anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. It's anything you seek to give what God can only give. It's anything that is so central and so essential to your life that you should lose it. Your life would feel hardly worth living. And then he goes on to say that we think idols are, you know, the bad things in life. But actually, idols can be the good things in life. You know, the greater the good, the more likely we are to expect that it can satisfy our deepest desires, our deepest needs, our deepest hope. And anything that we put in place of God becomes a counterfeit God. It becomes a false God. It is anything that is more fundamental than God himself that we think. If we have that, we will be satisfied. We will be happy. We will have meaning in life. That it will give us this identity And if that's the case, it's an idol. Idolatry is far most discussed than anything else in the Bible. It's not just this little side issue. Idolatry is the primary issue that the Bible talks about over and over. And it's our idols that keep us from growing and becoming like Christ. And here's the thing. The Bible tells us that these idols are growing right in our own heart. That it's not just a statue. It's not just a piece of art. It's something inside of us that we hold higher than God. Paul gives us another example. Let's look at Romans 1.21. And this is what it says. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they came, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of God for the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. What, God, what Paul is saying is that God showed himself through creation, through his word, And that you can't help but see that there is a creator God. And yet, we exchange that glory for God for these man-made images, for things. And we again take those images and we put them above God. In other words, people reject God, but then they replace God. They reject God. And then they replace God with things like sin, with greed, with hatred, with envy, with fighting, with lying, with bitterness, and with gossip. You know, we we actually see an explicit example of this with Moses, right? Like, Like God freed the Israelites. He did all these amazing things. He parted the sea. He provided manna. You know, he freed them from Egypt. And here Moses is spending time with God. And God is speaking to him. And he gives him the Ten Commandments. And one of the commandments is this. 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. And yet what do the Israelites do? They're down at the bottom of the mountain making this golden calf. They're creating this image of what they think is God, and they start worshiping things over God, even after God frees them, rescues them. And somehow they reject God and create their own God. The thing is, is that the Bible says that we are no different than the Israelites. It's the very reason that you and I struggle with relationships, with our own pride. You know, we've replaced God at times with idols. That we've put something in our life above God himself. You know, the idols may look different. But it's the reason we see societal breakdowns, addictions, divorce, division, and unrest. It's because we love our idols. We, we, we think that we know better than God, and we love worshiping counterfeit gods. Someone said it, it's, it's our human heart, is this idol factory that we're constantly producing something that we love more than God. Ezekiel actually says the exact same thing, Ezekiel 14.3. It says, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. And God was saying that the human heart takes these good things, like success, like her career, like our material possessions, our family, our safety, or whatever it is, and we turn them into ultimate things. Our hearts deify them as the center of our lives, and we think that these things will give us significance, security, and safety, and fulfillment if we attain them. been really reflecting on what's been going on in the world. What's going on in Canada, too. You know, we are living in a very divisive and broken time. It's heated. It's heavy. It's heartbreaking. It's tearing families apart. It's tearing churches apart. But here's the thing. Christian, if your opinion is too high on COVID and you, it causes you to belittle someone else, it's an idol. If it becomes more important than following someone else, we've got it all wrong. Our opinions should be secondary to following Christ. Our opinions should be secondary to loving other people. Our opinions really don't matter as much as what the gospel says we need to do. And if we are no different than the world, we have nothing to offer the world. So can we love other people well even when we disagree? Can we put God first even when we disagree? Can we choose to love God and others when it's so hard and difficult? The 
thing is, is that you and I are worshiping something, and it might even be our own opinion. That we think we're right, we think we know it all. And we may have a good point here and there, but the question for all of us is, what are we really worshiping right now? Is it Jesus You know, what's behind the reason of the reason? What's behind the facade and the mask? When we see something other than God, when we worship something other than God, it creates more brokenness. Why? It's because our idols cripple and hinder. They don't exalt Christ. So how do we name our idols? How do we know what the idols are lodged in our heart? Let's read again Acts 16, or verse 16, rather. It says, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw, again, the city full of idols. Why was his spirit provoked? Some commentators say this. It's what a husband felt when they see someone moving in on their wife. They saw the adultery starting to happen. He saw underneath what the idols represented. And Paul didn't see just this grand city. He saw the sin beneath the grandeur. Paul just didn't see these pieces of art. In fact, Paul was very cultured. He was very intelligent. He was educated. He was sophisticated. And so he saw through the idols. He saw beneath the city. The Greek word actually foresaw means that Paul could see underneath what he observed with his eyes. It's like lifting the couch cushions. And you can kind of see, you know, the couch looks great with the cushions and the pillows. But look underneath, and in my house you'll probably find, you know, gum and crumbs. Once I found a moldy apple. But it's not the sculptures or the images that were the problem. It's what was revealed He saw right into the heart of the people who were worshiping counterfeit gods rather than God himself. And he saw that lost people needed Jesus. So like Paul, we too need to identify our idols. So how do we recognize what those idols are? This is what C.S. Lewis said. He says, if you want to know if there are rats in your basement... You don't walk loudly down the stairs announcing your arrival. They will hide themselves before you can see them, and you will think they are not rats. But if you creep down the stairs and suddenly turn on the light, you will see the rats scurrying away, and you will know where they hide. Luce is saying that if you want to identify your idols, then look at your life when your guard is down. What do you think about Look at your reactions when things are hard and difficult. What do you do? What do you say? You know, look at your emotional outbursts. What are you afraid of? 
You know, these surface moments call attention to what is underneath. And they reveal those lodged idols that keep us from growing. Let's even get more practical. Grab maybe a piece of paper in front of you or get out your smartphone. But I'm going to ask you three questions that will help us diagnose our idols. This is between you and God. No one needs to see this. But let's throw the questions on the screen. First question is, who is the most important person in your life? Write down their name. Might be a husband or a wife or a parent. What is your most treasured possession? What's that thing in your life that you love so much? And which personal characteristic, talent, or accomplishment do you take most pride in? Maybe you've got a master's degree, a PhD, or a business. Or maybe you're really funny. Maybe you've made a lot of money. Maybe you have great hair. So here's the question for all of us. If each of these were taken away from you today, would God still be good? Would you believe God is still good? Let that sink in. Would you still find him worthy of your worship and devotion? Would you be able to echo the words of Job, blessed be the name of God? Even though you give and take away. You give and take away. And if not, it may reveal an idol that we hold too highly. If we want to grow in Christ, we must name our idols, these false ideologies and desires that hold more influence than God himself in our life. It's only when we bring them before God and he shines light on them that we realize, yeah, I need to let that go or I hold that too highly. So how do we do this? It kind of goes back to what we've been talking about in this series is that we need to spend time with God on a daily basis. Say, God, Spirit of God, as you read his word and as you pray, God, help me see these idols, these things that are causing me to not grow. And then you learn as you do this on a regular basis how to recognize them and how to reject them and how to repent and replace these idols with Christ himself. And it's this pattern that we need to do on a regular basis or these new idols will creep in. But it starts by naming our idols. Well, lastly, how do we reject our idols? How do we reject our idols? Well, let's look at Romans 1.24. It says this, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is a blessing forever. What does it mean that God gave them up? To, to be honest, it's a kind of a scary passage. 
Because Paul is saying that they exchanged the majesty of God for idols. You know, things that they made by their own hands, they thought were more important of their worship. But what it means is God allowed sin to run its course as an act of judgment. It means that God has given us every opportunity to repent, to reject our idols. And there's a point where God's like, okay, you know what? You need to learn the hard way. I'm going to let sin run its course, and you are going to reap the consequences of your decisions, of your sin. In other words, people cannot reject God and simply live happily ever after. That our idol worship has consequences. I think we're seeing that in our culture right now. That our idol worship has consequences. We ask the question, why is it such a mess? Well, we love our idols. It shows up in our dysfunction, in our relationship life, in our country, in the world. It's because this is what sin is. Sin is building our life and meaning on anything other than God himself. And at some point, we have all rejected creator God for something that has been created. You know, we have all loved and possessed things that we've put above him. It may be a good reputation. It may be our career. It may be our kids. It may be our safety. It may be our comfort. It may be something that we've been working our entire lives for. But again, as our creator, God commands us to put those things aside and repent. Repentance means simply this. It's not saying, sorry, God. Oops, I did it again. Repentance is doing a U-turn from our idol back to God himself. It's a course correction. It means taking that idol and go, okay, God, I recognize that I've put this above you. No more. And if we don't, God allows sin to run its course, and hopefully then we wake up. But we also must repent because there is a day of judgment coming. There's a day in which we are going to stand before God, and he's going to ask us some pretty hard questions. I'm actually afraid that many of you, when you stand before God, may not have an answer. That many have been following counterfeit gods rather than God himself. Wrestle with it. How do you know that you're following Christ? Wrestle with it. We need to reject our idols because only God can satisfy our souls. Only God can satisfy our souls. So how does Paul get them to reject their idols there in Athens? What does he talk about? Let's go back to Acts 17:18. It says some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign uh, divinities. 
because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So here Paul is standing in the midst of all the cultural idols. And some are mocking him. Well, look at that babbler. The guy's insane. He's talking about Jesus and the resurrection. But I think he took it. He took the hit. He took the persecution. If you keep reading, people were coming to Christ. People were seeing, oh, yeah, this idol is meaningless. Because Paul introduced them to Jesus and the cross. And he told them that his idols were not representing the true God who gave them life and breath and everything. This is exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, you need to know this about your idol. Your idol does not love you. It does not love you back. False gods don't love you. Idols don't keep their promises. And anything you worship and build your life on other than God will suck the life out of you and destroy you. I think that our culture needs to hear the same message. That your idol isn't going to love you back. Your idol isn't going to satisfy you. And ultimately, your idol isn't going to save you when you stand before Christ. But Paul says it's a relationship with Jesus, and it starts when you identify and turn away from your idols. That's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. He was constantly showing them, hey, this isn't the way, but I'm the way. He was constantly telling them to give up their false objects of worship in order to follow him and ultimately worship him. So what does this have to do with spiritual growth? It has everything to do with spiritual growth. Church, this is how we grow in Christ. We name our idols, we reject our idols, and we start worshiping Christ. I think it's one of the main reasons that there's so much shallow Christianity is because we love our idols too much. We, we kind of treat Jesus as this add-on to our life rather than the center of our life. The problem is, is when we don't replace our adultery with Jesus, we won't grow. When we simply view Jesus as this add-on, as this nice idea, and we don't surrender everything that we own, our time, our resources, our family, then we are clinging to false idols. So in closing, what you worship will determine what is growing in your life. What you worship will determine what is growing in your life. I'm going to leave you with two other reflective questions. These are questions, again, that help expose our idols. First question is, what is your ultimate priority in life? What is your ultimate priority? Second question is, whom do I find my hope and satisfaction? Whom do I find my hope and satisfaction? And the way forward 
the way to break away from these destructive idols and influence, the way through these false gods is to turn back to the one and only true living God. The living God who revealed himself through creation, through the word of God, throughout history and on the cross. It's the true God that can only bring hope in a time of uncertainty. It's the one and only true God that can bring you satisfaction in a world that is unsatisfactory. It's only when that you turn away, turn away from our sin and our idols and back to Christ that we will grow. I'm going to call the worship team up. I just want to give you a moment to sit with the message before we enter back into worship and ask God to help you name your idols. Spend one minute, God, what is it that I'm worshiping other than you? And then take a moment to repent of that idol if you're feeling led. So I'll just leave you to pray. God, what is my ultimate priority? God, to whom am I finding hope and satisfaction other than you? God, we thank you that you are the one and only true God. That nothing else satisfies our soul. That we can love other things and replace you over and over and over again. But ultimately, those things fall up short. So God, give us spiritual eyes to see what we are worshiping this morning. The things that we've put above you the things that have become the ultimate priority. It might be a person or a thing or something that we're seeking after. God, help us to do a U-turn back to you this morning. And all the things that are happening around in the world, thank you that we can find security in you. But God, we just pray that you wouldn't be this add-on, that we wouldn't be seeking shallow Christianity. We pray that we would go farther and deeper as we talked about last week with you. That we would come back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand with me.